Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. As noted in previous episodes, this fall of the Puberty Prof Podcast is focusing on more of the mental, emotional, and social challenges that preteens and teens can experience. Today's episode is therefore on the topic of bullying and bullying prevention slash intervention. To help us out, I asked Mr. Sumi Mukherjee to be here. Sumi wrote the book, A Life Interrupted, The Story of My Battle with Bullying and Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. Thank you so much for being here, Sumi. Mr. Mukherjee. You're very, very welcome. It's a pleasure to be here and to use my, what was a almost paralyzing traumatic experience for for a good chunk of my life now to be able to use that constructively to help other people. It's, it's, It's nice to be here. Well, can you give us a little background about who you are and that you like your services that you actually speak at schools and all? If you can tell us a little bit about that. I do. Yes, I'm I'm an author and public speaker. I live in Minnesota and I've given talks all over Minnesota as well as all over the country. I think I've been to about 26, 27 different states to do my speaking in, including uh, in the country of Canada, where incidentally I was born in Canada. So that was kind of nice. And I've written nonfiction books, true stories about real life experiences. My first book, I've written and published four books. I'm uh, hot at work on my fifth right now. My first one is about this subject, bullying and mental health. The second one is about preventing sexual abuse of children. My third is about uh, workplace bullying and issues, the workplace, how to stand up for your rights in an unjust environment at work. And my fourth book is uh, basically about racism and the legal system. So all true stories, all really interesting subjects that are uh, unfortunately very relevant today. And uh, I've learned a lot in these areas, whether I really wanted to or not. But now I have all that knowledge. I want to be able to at least use that knowledge in a positive way now to help other people that undoubtedly will end up going facing all those obstacles of those what those four books are about. And so I feel like I'm excited to have a platform to do that. So. Thank you again for being here. And for our listeners, if anything of what you hear today actually triggers something, it goes back to a memory that you had, please reach out to someone that can give you support. If you're a younger person, even if it's in the summer or it's on a vacation, reach out. You can still reach out to the school social worker, the guidance counselor, an educator if they're available, or another adult that actually listens to you. There's a lot that can listen. If you go to one and they don't originally listen, go to another one, please. And if you're an adult that also has been in this situation in the past or currently, please look up at your your business. If you're working out of business where it's occurring about policies or reach out to somebody, a family member, a friend that can be a support person for you. So before we jump into the topic of bullying, Sumi. Do you remember much about your puberty experience? Because sometimes we have people that just talk a little bit about, yeah, I went through this and this is what we typically go through. Do you want to share anything about that experience? 
Um, in general, uh, I was, I guess I was, it was kind of my, my life kind of was in two different phases. At home, I was an extremely happy, fulfilled kid. Uh, I had a really, really, really good home life. Um, it was probably about as good as I could imagine it to be with my parents, my brother, uh, our little dog. <laughs> uh, but but my parents were extremely supportive and remain so to this very day. I'm 45 years old now, and, and my parents still remain an integral part of my life. And I think that support made me, on the one hand, a very confident, fulfilled, happy individual. My life in school was the polar opposite of that. I was uh, an outcast. I was uh, treated very poorly by most people. Um, I did have my, my group of friends and stuff, thank God. Fortunately, I had some people that were I remained close with through school, but I was on the outside. Um, I really, uh, and, and I had a lot of problems with being bullied and stuff and, and not being accepted based. I, I think a lot of it was what I call also bias-based bullying, uh, having to do with my color, my race, my ethnicity, growing up where I grew up in Minnesota. I was one of the only people that was that didn't look like everybody else that went to school around me. So that really uh, was a difficult thing in a time and a place where there wasn't the kind of media attention there is today for being different and you know sort of being proud to be different and all the movements there are today, thank God, that makes it a much, much different environment, at least I hope today, than it was back then. So it was kind of a mixed experience. Deep inside me, I had a lot of confidence, but at school and stuff, I had insecurities. I wasn't very confident there. It was an environment where I wasn't treated well at all, sometimes by teachers also, as well as by students. And that was rough. And that remains rough. I mean, even to this day, I about three to four nights a week, I, I have dreams about things that happened when I was in school, you know, and it's they're not as I'm used to it, you know, and I'm able to now wake up and say, oh, well, you know, that just I have these dreams because, you know, that was a tough time for me, but it doesn't phase me that much anymore. I'm kind of used to it because it's happened for so long, but it just shows that it has, it has a long impact. And I don't think people that are being bullied and people that are the ones at that, at that time in their life who happen to be doing the bullying, I don't think either side realizes the impact it can have. And if my story can help explain some of that, I think that would benefit both sides. So puberty was kind of a mixed, mixed time for me that uh, on the one hand, I had things at home that so many people I've met don't have at home, a positiveness at home that was, is not there in majority of people I've met. And at the same time, at school, my life was a living hell, a nightmare, uh, and, and still remains so to this day in my memory. So it's kind of a paradox of, of where I was when I was coming into puberty. I'm sorry that you experienced that. It's to me, it shouldn't be happening at all in the schools. It's, and it's not just me. I'm one of the lucky ones that I came out this good. I mean, there's so many kids that, uh, that have it at school and have it at home too, negative. And kids have come up and told me that when I've given talks, they've, you know, said, you know, at least you had, you had validation at home and full validation at home. And we, we had bullies at home too, you know, and bullies at school. So in spite of everything, I personally felt like I've gone through, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. I'm still here. I'm still talking about it. I still have a voice and I had, and I didn't give up basically because I had support in my life and other people aren't weaker people. They just didn't have the support I had. Thank you again for being here. Sumi, what do you recommend children and youth do upon being bullied? The advice I would give uh, would not have been very helpful in my day, 
Uh, I'm 45 now in the year 2021. When I was in elementary, middle school, uh, it was the 1980s and the 1990s. So some young people today might hear that and say, when, what? <laughs> that was a long time ago. Uh, my nieces and nephews that are 11 and 12, you know, think I'm supremely old and, and they would like, they'd be like, when was 1980s? When was 1990s? Uh, so the advice I would give today is that I think kids are a lot more fortunate today than at least with what's out there than, than we were back in my day. In my day, there was no such thing as bullying. We didn't talk about this kind of stuff. Uh, if you talked about it, nobody listened to you. Definitely nobody at the school was very, very few were interested in really, uh, very few felt it was their job that bullying is even an issue that has been identified. It had not been identified back then as something. So my advice wouldn't have been very helpful back then because it wouldn't have worked. But today my advice would be to try to talk to somebody about it. Try to talk to uh, adults at the school um, and, and to say that, you know, I'm experiencing bullying. It's affecting the way I feel. It's, you know, it's having an impact on me. Talk to uh, teachers, uh, counselors at the school, uh, the school officials and stuff. And I would Hope. I mean, now I go to schools and I see, you know, signs up that say, you know, uh, bully free zone and, you know, there's an anti-bullying squad or something, you know, and there, there was there's a funny movie called The Good Boys that's out there that it may not be good for all audiences just to let that be known. But one thing that was interesting is they had an anti-bullying squad in there that if a student was being bullied, a group of other students would shield them and like walk them from one place to the next so they couldn't be bothered by their bullies. And it was like they could be called upon for help. And there was nothing like that when I was growing up. So I would say today, so in my case, it was kind of like you had to like, you could ask for help. You weren't going to get much. You could try to fight back. You were kind of more in a situation where you had to fend for yourself. And I think today, and that was wrong then, and it's wrong now, uh, what but I think today there's more of a chance that people will listen. At least I hope it's different in 30 years that people now will uh, listen. And if that's happening, you can go to somebody and say openly, I'm being bullied. This is happening. And hopefully the staff has training on how to deal with that. And they understand now that that's a part of their job. It's not just teaching curriculum. You know, this is a part of their job too. I would suggest that People going through that try to, as a first course of action, try to talk to someone about it at the school, an adult at the school that they can trust and talk to, and someone that can maybe come up with some ideas to work things out constructively. I mean, we don't have to go and discipline the person that's acting out because the person that's acting out is, is in a lot of pain, too, and is hurting, too, for reasons that are not known to us, but they are hurting, or they wouldn't be probably acting out like that towards somebody else for no reason. There's usually a reason behind why they're acting out and both parties need help and, and they're young. They're both young and they both need some kind of positive intervention. So I, I guess I'd suggest trying to approach people at the school, adults at the school that you trust, that you know well, and, and share with them that you're being bullied and, and see if they have any ideas to help. I would say that there are differences. I agree with you from years ago, and there are some pros and cons. And like you said, there should be resources in the schools in which now we have to focus on social and emotional learning of children in which it's not enough to say, be nice. It's to say, this is how you are nice. So teachers from grades K through 12 if not even earlier, are supposed to know about these social and emotional things. It's something that 
I've done in the health class, Sumi, is I've had kids actually define what bullying is because sometimes they don't even know what it is. So right. to have the terms, actually, I do this comparison of what is joking, what is teasing, and then what is bullying, in which there's that that spectrum, but it can also go from one to the next to the next. And the bottom line is what's the intent? Like for joking, the intent is it's not personal, it's laughter, ha ha ha. Teasing is typically also for laughter. The intent is not supposed to be harmful, yet it can be, in which bullying is definitely intentional. It's having power over someone else. It's trying to get somebody to feel smaller or to have a reaction that is not healthy. Right. Exactly correct. Yes. Very well stated. And I agree with that. In which if we can teach children and youth of a variety of ages and then adults too, to say, okay, you know, if if you're watching a show like Modern Family and I've watched most of the seasons, we see a lot of teasing in there because it's personal. If it gets to the point where your feelings are hurt, the person needs to be heard. And so that doesn't continue. Right. Yet again, if the intention is to make them hurt, that goes into the bullying. But the other thing that we point out to kids with this conversation is that some people don't like teasing and that's okay. Yet nobody should be bullied. Nobody. Right. If I can say also that in shows like that, I mean, part of the reason for all the teasing on, on, a, on a sitcom or something is to make the audience laugh, to make us laugh, to entertain us. Doesn't necessarily mean it would be fun in real life to do that. Right. And which you might lose a job, you can get into a lot of trouble at school. And that's why we need to talk to children and have them analyze their influences and check out the media and to see what is really healthy behaviors and unhealthy behaviors. Because so much modeling too, if we see this modeling of, well, people are supposed to push people around if they're watching things on the news and we interrupt and we give insults to one another, that actually goes into that bullying category. And if there's a child who's listening in here and they recognize, hey, I've been participating in bullying and these unhealthy behaviors, what do you recommend that they do? Uh, If a child realizes that they have been engaging in the behavior themselves? In other words, yeah, they're the perpetrator in this, that they've been hurting somebody else intentionally. Um, I I guess I would ask for them to, to kind of to learn from my experience where when I was an adult, I had the opportunity, very unique opportunity to meet my most challenging childhood bully when we were both adults and we sat down and talked about everything. And he kind of explained in a mature manner as a grown up now, why he was acting out and how unhappy he was in his own personal life and what issues he was dealing with and how he didn't really have any better way as a as an immature child at the time to deal with that other than to and he kind of said you know i'm not excusing my behavior i'm explaining my behavior and i guess i would just ask somebody in that situation to to realize that you're not a bad person you know i mean you're learning you're young you're learning too you're probably not in a really good place yourself and i would say that if you can just kind of if they can look at my story and and see that i'm a 45 year old man And I'm just starting my life in the last few years because I lost so much of my life due to bullying and the, and the decades long impact that bullying had in my life. And in my life, it triggered and and sort of had a way of determining how a, a whole nother mental illness came into play for me. And that's what I struggled with for so many decades after the actual bullying had stopped. And 
people that are engaging in those behaviors don't think that that's doing that to somebody that, you know, I'm 45 years old and I still dream about what school was like three to four times a week. You know, that's, that's there, that's an impact. And I think if they just realize that, you know, they are every bit as capable as doing what my former bully had done as an adult where he had grown up and he said, you know, I made a decision that people weren't happy with the way I was treating them. And I made a choice that I'm going to change how I treat people. Yeah. And his life got better from doing that. So I would just say that somebody that's engaging in those behaviors, look at it as a challenge to see if you're able to uh, do what, what the person that had been a bully to me did. And, and I know that they're hurting too, because they're going through a lot. They're going through things that are probably, they're probably being bullied at home. They're probably going through some kind of mistreatment or, or being neglected or, or there's something in their life that's not right. And they're feeling like they're taking it out on somebody else because that gives them a sense of that they're okay and that their sense of validation and power and, and what's sort of to make up for what's missing in their life. And I think they need compassion and definitely not to be told that you're being a bully, you know, you're a bad bully or something. That's that's just sort of setting the stage for them to feel like, well, this is what I am. Okay, no, this is something that uh, you can work on changing and that you could be having an impact on someone else that you don't even realize you're having. And, and that really comes from a pain that they're dealing with inside themselves. Yeah. yeah. And if we can kind of get to the root of that, they need help too, as much as, as much as the person that's being bullied. Yeah. And certainly they can also reach out to somebody at school, a school counselor, a guidance counselor, a teacher that can direct them to someone. Because I, you just reminded me, I had an incident with a student in middle school who was pretty tough. And I learned that they learned it from a parent because that parent actually ended up telling me off at some point after an activity, an after-school activity. I had to hold my ground with that parent and, and say, I need a mediator here. I need a third party. And it's not easy. And I do say for people, if you're in the educational field, those of you that are listening in, have a third party there if you're dealing with somebody that is being aggressive and attempting to to try to bully you in some way, please do. And which I want to also remind us that for bullying now, one of the changes is that there's different types of it. I mean, we've always had that. We have the physical stuff that can go on, the pushing. We have the verbal with the name calling. We have the isolation techniques, uh, you know, like pretending we're friends with someone and then pretending they're not there, that kind of stuff with friendships. We also now have that cyberbullying that's going on. Yes, that's a huge piece that I never had to deal with, I guess, because as my nieces say, I'm old, but I never had to deal with that part because uh, I graduated in the class of 1995 and there wasn't really Internet or social media when I uh, when I graduated, which is hard to think because we all can't live without it now. But yeah, that's that's a piece that I never had to deal with. And that's very, very prevalent. And it's it's so much easier to very quickly bully somebody. It's constant ready access to a forum to bully someone online and and with online stuff and Facebook and, you know, messages and you can message 50 people the same thing about somebody and it's, and there's anonymous ways to, and there's all kinds of ways to do it. It's, it's a really new, uh, huge problem that the technology unfortunately has created for us. And please, if that's happening to you, any of these forms, again, go seek a a support person for yourself. You deserve it. There's a reason why you're on this planet. There's a reason for you to be here. 
Sumi, what do you recommend that children and youth do if they witness bullying? I, I think uh, the best thing that people can do, the, the witnesses and the bystanders actually have a pretty huge role in the whole thing. I mean, we call them just bystanders, like they're just standing by, but they actually at times can provide the fuel that gets the whole fire of bullying going. Everything needs an audience. And I think if if there wasn't, uh, that, like the person that I met as an adult who had bullied me, he said the reason he did it a lot of the times was that people laughed. People gave it attention. People gave him attention. And he didn't get much attention at home. He didn't get much attention other places. But he got attention when he was acting out. He got attention when he was putting me down, when he was behaving like a bully. People watched. People stopped what they were doing. People laughed. They gave it attention. And I, I think that really keeps the whole thing going because at that age, what does everybody want more than anything? Peer validation is what we want. We all want to be popular. We all want to be in the in crowd. We all want uh, to feel like we're somebody important that our peers look up to us. And it could be the driving force behind bullying. I, I think if the same people, the bystanders and witnesses were utterly repulsed when they saw bullying, if they found it uncool, if they found it unattractive, if it made them want to shun and not associate with the person doing it, I think we'd get rid of a lot of bullying because people, no one would want, no one would want to be ostracized by as being the one that's doing it. But I think too often it's, it's seen as, yeah, that was pretty funny. That was pretty cool, you know, way to do that, you know, and you got them good. That was a good burn. You know, it's, it's seen differently. So I think bystanders and witnesses have, have quite a big role. Because ultimately, you know, I mean, yeah, it's teachers in the schools do have a lot more they can do. But at the core issue, kids are trying to impress other kids. They want peer validation. Everybody at that age wanted to feel good in front of their peers, that their peers looked up to them, that their peers thought well of them. And when you get older, you're like, you know, I'm older now. I don't care what anybody thinks of me. I I'm still believe in myself. But when we're young, we all care what our peers think of us. And nobody can say differently. I mean, even the kids that seem like they don't have any insecurities and they're super popular and everything, they care. They care. They have to do things to be that popular. And they don't want to lose it because they care about what others think of them. And so I think the bystander role is can never be overlooked how huge that is. If it was so frowned upon and so shunned that general population thought bullying was disgusting and repulsive and repugnant, you wouldn't see that much bullying going on. I don't know if you've ever heard of the research that deals with the bystander effect, that the greater the number of bystanders, the less likely it is for someone to step in to someone in distress. Have you ever heard of that, Sumi? Yeah. And that makes sense too, because everybody sort of feels like they feel two things. I think they feel like one, well, there's so many other people here. Someone else can stick their neck out. She doesn't have to be me. I'm sure someone else will say something. And I think the other thing they uh, kind of feel is then they're also, everybody's watching. So they're, they feel like they're more on the spot. If they stick up for the person being bullied, they could be the next victim. I think that's another thing they feel. And, and I remember times where I wanted to stick up for somebody else and I didn't because I was, I had it rough enough myself and I didn't want to risk increasing it for myself, which was not the way it should be. There's a, a online resource and it's called Be an Upstander. I don't have the exact link, but I believe it is with Ned 
NED. It's to prevent bullying behaviors and they have a be an upstander program. And they actually recommend four ways to be an upstander. And one is to simply be a buddy. And I remember in middle school when we took, was it middle school? No, it was actually high school when we had to take the bus to school. I sat in the front because we had a tough group of people on the bus after I was picked up. And I remember I always saved a seat or I tried to save a seat for a girl who was of Asian descent and picked on bullied like anything because of her race. And I didn't understand that. I'm like, she, she graduated a year earlier than everyone. She was brilliant. So certainly to be a buddy. And I felt I could, at that point, I wasn't able to do anything more, but to friend, be friends with this person on the bus, I think was helpful. Yeah. And that, and I'm sure that to that individual, your friendship was made more of a difference than they'll ever be able to say, because the people I was friends with that uh, were there for me at that time, they were all I had. And had I not had those friendships, I don't know if I would have made it through. So I think having at least a few people that are close friends to you during that time means so, so, so much to somebody that's being treated that way, the way you described that wonderful young lady is how she was being treated because of her race. I completely understand how that works. And uh, the, the gratitude that person in that situation has can't, can't be measured because it, it, you did make a huge difference for her. I hope so. I hope so. I'm sure you did. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Another thing that's recommended to be an upstander is to interrupt the person who's bullying in which that doesn't mean you have to get in their face. It means that you can say something like if you were the person that was partaking in the behavior, I could say, Hey, sue me. Okay. Enough. Or, Hey, let's go play some basketball or, Hey, let's go get lunch or something like that. So you're interrupting what's going on. It's yes. uh, I know for, for when there's other situations like dealing with substances or other unhealthy things where people are peer pressured to change the topic for one of the people like, Hey, cause I used to bring a six pack of Yoohoo to parties. So if I was peer pressured about alcohol, I'd be like, no, I got my Yoohoo. So it's like changing the topic in a way. Yes. Does that make sense? Interrupting yes, absolutely. It's kind of like redirecting, redirecting the, yes. the conversation. Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. Great. Great. I, I know that word from working with little kids before. So you always have to redirect oh. their behavior. So. Kids are so smart. Yeah, they are. <laughs> smart, strong, I, resilient. Yes. Another thing, a third thing is speak out about bullying. So to tell others this is an appropriate behavior. And then four is that tell someone at school or wherever you're at, if it's summer camp, about it. You can actually go get an adult, somebody that you trust that can get involved and handle it. Even if it happens, if you, even if you want to go to somebody days later or weeks later, you can always have a voice to stand up yes. for people. Absolutely. Absolutely correct. And, and we, we need that. It needs to, we need to level the playing field and eventually get it to be that there's, that people doing this are in the minority and then they're going to want to stop. What do you recommend to parents and other caregivers upon seeing signs that their child, their preteen teenager is being bullied? Uh, the number one thing I recommend first and foremost is take the time to listen to your child and validate how they feel. Because back in my time and place, my parents did everything they could. They talked to the school, they talked to teachers, they talked to principals, they talked to school counselors, they even tried talking to other kids' parents. None of the above were very effective. But the one thing that got me through it was 
I was always validated about how I felt. It wasn't kind of like, you know, you know, you talked about this yesterday. I'm busy watching the game. I don't want to hear it again today. It's the same thing you told me yesterday. No, you have to really validate them and let them know that this is wrong. This is not right. This is not the way someone should be treating you. You have every right to feel like this is absolutely not the way you should be treated. You don't deserve to be treated this way. Even there's nothing, even if there's nothing we can do at the moment to stop this, we validate that you are absolutely in the right and this other person is acting in the wrong and they sh- and we understand how you feel and the impact it's having on you, your ability to focus at school, how it's making you feel about yourself, the effects it's having on you physically, mentally, all that. Having your, your side validated. I think so many kids never have that at home and that just, then it's like, what's the point? I'm just going to give up. I don't have it anywhere. Having that validation at home is the number one thing. The number two thing is I think Uh, Hopefully all the things that my parents tried so diligently to do back in the day would hopefully be, I would hope would anyway be a lot more effective today. Talking to people at the school, school counselors, teachers, school social worker, principal, assistant principal, you know, that kind of thing. I would, I would assume and I would hope, never should assume, I should say, but I would really hope that it's been 30, 40 years since I was in school, since I was really little in school, that things have changed. This is the year 2021. We overcame a global pandemic. I think we can give attention when bullying is happening now. I think we're ready. And I think the response should be a lot more welcoming and different, drastically different than what it was when when I was being bullied and starting in kindergarten by, by sixth graders. And the principal basically said, oh, it's, you know, let Sumi deal with it on his own. I hope that mentality is gone today. It needs to be gone. It needed to be gone then, but I hope it's gone by today. So I think reaching out for help. And I think there's a lot less stigma or shame about reaching out for help. Now it's like, well, hey, there's, you know, anti-bullying stuff is going on. And that's why I love that part in that movie, uh, the Good Boys movie, which again is not appropriate for all ages. But the thing I liked was they they had an anti-bullying, a scab. That's what they called it. Student Coalition Against Bullying, scab. And kids would join up to be part of the scab And then if someone was being bullied, the group would shield them physically and move them out of there, like a group of five or six scab representatives. And I just thought that was such a neat idea. I mean, I don't know if all schools do that, but I've I've walked in schools where there's been no bully zones. It's talked about. It's out there that you can say something about it. And Mm -hmm. in my day, you just couldn't. It was just it's a rite of passage. And everybody, you know, the people that go through it, tough for them and they have to go through it. And that's that. And that's not the case today. I don't know if you realize this, but when you were talking about being validated, being heard, like if a child comes to you to say, I believe you and this shouldn't be happening. I don't know if you realized, and we're talking through Zoom right now, that I actually sat up even like straighter. It was like my posture got more assertive. Yeah. And I wasn't think I wasn't doing it intentionally, but my body. And I believe that also happens with kids when we tell them, yeah, that shouldn't be happening. And you have you. Yeah, I can imagine how you're feeling and let us hear them, which is something I recommend schools to do and, and teachers and all. What do you recommend if there is a teacher who doesn't know how to handle this whole situation? What should they do? Well, they should uh, call on their colleagues. They should try to see if maybe initiate some kind of program among the staff. If there isn't one already, I would think, I would hope by now schools have bullying prevention programs, but if they don't, to 
go to their colleagues and go to other people at the school and say, hey, look, one of my students is, you know, having this problem. What do you think is a good way to handle this? You know, I mean, rely on each other. It's not a one person show here. It takes a village to raise a kid, to raise one kid and to raise a whole bunch of them at the school. It takes everybody working together. So, you know, rely on other people, you know, turn to other people. Other people will turn to you later too. So uh, there's no reason in saying, hey, I'm not sure how to deal with this. What do you think? Because more two minds are better than one and four minds are better than two. And we can always come up with something if more of us are working on it together. So I agree with you. What you're referring to in my eyes is the whole school, whole community, whole child framework. It's called WISC. And that means that we all work with one another in which if you and I are educators in a school and there's a child who's not feeling comfortable, I might not be able to connect with the child, but you might be. Or we can work as a team to find somebody else. So it's this collaboration behind it. So thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah, yeah. Those of you that are listening too, there are resources that are out there. If you go to stopbullying.gov, there are resources on their resource page. There's resources for younger people, for parents and guardians, for teachers, coaches, and school staff, for the general public. I know as an educator, I've referred to some of the webisodes that are linked in with their stopbullying.gov. They have some for younger elementary and then for older elementary. There'll be places there that can help you figure out who to turn to, what to do, that kind of thing. Because if you're in a situation, if a child's in a situation, your child's in a situation, they deserve to be heard, like Sumi said, and also be helped. Yes, absolutely correct. And that's, you know, what is it? Bullying, stopbullying.gov? Yes. Mm -hmm. I feel good that kids have a lot of options. Any other thoughts or recommendations for our listeners out there? Um, I think just to, uh, if, if you find that your kid is suffering from this, or you if, or if you find out that you get feedback from the school that maybe your kid is engaging in some of the bullying behaviors, be willing to to go in with an attitude of wanting to help everybody involved, not, not to discipline or punish your kid, because that's just going to, you know, make things get worse. First of all, be willing to listen, and then be willing to try to say, you know, what's going on? Why are you acting out like this? You know, what's causing you to feel like you have to torment somebody like this, you know, what's, what's going wrong? Why why are you, where are you hurting? You're feeling like you have to do this. I think, I mean, a lot of the, the behaviors that kids emulate towards each other are things that they're learning elsewhere, learning in the home, maybe it's happening to them at home. Uh, My, my bully that I met with as an adult said that his older brother would pick on him and bully him at home all the time. And that was one of the places he was getting it, kind of he was learning it or or feeling like, you know, while he was the victim, he wanted to make somebody else the victim, you know, and maybe if there had been some intervention by the parents, if he had felt like he could talk to his parents about that, which it seemed like he did not really feel like he could, unfortunately, but if he had felt that he could and the parents were willing to listen, maybe that could have been a way to, you know, stop that from going on because everything has a cause behind it. And I would say just being open-minded to really listening either way, listening to your kid, validating them, making time for them. I know we're all very, very busy with our lives, with work, two jobs, sometimes relationships, you know, whatever we're doing as adults, we're very busy with, but we can't just forget about not, not listen to our kids when they're going through this either way, whether they're the one doing it or they're the one it's happening to. And ultimately there'll be consequences for the parents too. These things aren't dealt with. 
And if something is going on, please, if it's your child, if you're the child, talk to those people at school. If they're not doing something, they're in the wrong. And something I've learned as an adult when I've had some bullying or harassing situations is I've actually documented things. I've written things in a journal or I'll send an email to someone saying, I spoke to you about this, what is going to go on? And I have a copy of it. Would you agree to that? Yes, actually, that's something I strongly recommend uh, when adults are going through bullying in like a workplace situation, documenting, but for kids, yes, that's, that's very helpful. Yeah, a lot of kids journal anyway. And today it's a lot easier to jot things down even on your cell phone or something. But yeah, documenting things definitely empowers you because you're sort of taking some kind of control of it. And then it helps you later on if you're talking to someone about it, it keeps your memory clear of you know what exactly happened and everything. And I love that journaling idea because it can get so much out for us, all our feelings and thoughts and stuff. Therapeutic to write. That's why I like writing so much. Well, I thank you so much again for being here, Sumi. And is there a way that people can get in touch with you? Yes. My uh, website is author, Sumi, A-U-T-H-O-R, like the word author, author, Sumi, S-U-M-I, authorsumi.com. And my, my email is uh, sumis at earthlink.net. If anyone has a question or needs advice or something or any, anyone that's being bullied or going through this or, or is doing the bullying can feel free to uh, shoot me an email and talk to me about it because it's one thing I, I understand really well. You know, I'm not an expert in everything, but this is one area where I'm, I'm definitely, unfortunately, an expert and we, can, we need to bring some good out of that. I can uh, use it as a, use myself as a resource now, and I'm happy to do it. And I'll make sure that I put that link in, in the description area of this episode. It'll be great. Yes, absolutely. Wonderful. So thank you again, Sumi. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. If any of this has reminded you of inappropriate behavior, or you just know because it's happening now, please reach out to a support person. You are worth it you are. There's a reason for why you're on this planet. So thank you again for listening. And, and for if being I can here. add something in as, as a survivor of bullying and a mental, severe, severe chronic mental health disorder, life gets better. Life gets better. It passes. It gets better. I have lived and enjoyed life to the fullest. Uh, I got a late start, but at least I'm in a much better, happier place today. So you can get to a much better place. You can overcome all this stuff and you can enjoy life to the fullest. Yes. And I have been now for many, many years. There's, there's better you. days ahead. There's better Thank days you ahead. for saying that. Because, you know, there are some people that think that your best years are in high school or in oh, college. Oh, God, no. God, no. God, no. no. Absolutely not. Uh, the world is, thankfully, usually a completely different environment than what it is in school. There, the clicks and everything and, and, and the way things are where you're either popular or you're not, you know, that's over when you get to the, when you graduate high school you enter the real world. And fortunately, for the most part, it's not like it is in school. So some kids will think, well, this is the way life is going to be forever. God, no, it's not the way life is going to be forever. Yeah. The stage you have to get through. Hopefully we can make it as smooth as we can. So. Yeah, I hear you. And to me, and I'm a little older than you, I believe that life gets better and better too, because you have more options in some ways. You choose different friends or better friends and all. So take the ride you bought the ticket for. Well, thank you again. And thank you to our listeners. And I hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast. 
where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow The Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.